0: at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast.
1: You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work.
0: Ian, there is a uh, question out there in Broncos country right now, and I love this question because it gives me uh, just one more opportunity to talk about the guy who I uh, uh, have a huge crush on that's not a linebacker named Roquan Smith. Uh, and that is Trevor. He's Lawrence. He's actually not a linebacker. He's not even a linebacker at all. Although uh, Scotty did fill me in on on a player who that I'm going to save that for later because I'm still uh, still not 100 percent in on it like we said earlier. Uh, but but we do know how we feel about Trevor Lawrence, and that's that's where this conversation is going to go right now. Not because we think anything's going to happen, right? I think that that won't because <laughs> because it, it won't. But the the question that is out there is how much would you trade? How much would you do to move up into that first spot in the draft uh, and be able to draft Trevor Lawrence. And uh, we talked about Andrew Mason uh, and his, I think it was four firsts and four seconds, uh, package that deal and send that away uh, as a possibility to get Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I I would go further. I would go much, much further. Um, the, The next 10 first round draft picks, you may have them. That's seriously... And I think I, I think I, I sent to you also all of the profit from the uh, parking lot sales could go to whichever team has the first pick. I'm fine with that as well. We don't need the profit from that. We'll figure it out. We're OK because
1: uh, they they'd make up for it in the jersey sales for Trevor Lawrence.
0: I mean, in a, in a in a day they would make up for it because everybody wants that jersey. Uh, I, I I would buy it, and I'm sort of. I'm one of. I'm like you. I don't buy jerseys of, of people who are young enough to be my son. So I just don't, just just don't get in on that. And we. I think we have finally reached the stage in our uh, our lives where we can start to say that and legitimately that's be correct. Can. So that sucks. Which is
1: frightening. Yeah,
0: that's. Uh, I mean, it doesn't suck. I'm glad we're still here. But dang, who knew that was going to happen so fast? But it's anything. I, I mean. I'm going to say it. People are going to get mad at me, and I don't care. I would I would trade away Von Miller for the right to draft Trevor Lawrence.
1: I think the thing with that, and Andrew Mason chimed in on it, is that Von Miller really, is, is, is he really going to carry that much influence in a trade since he's coming off an injury and he's north of 30 now? No. So, probably not. But in terms of I would legitimately consider, as you said, 10 first-round picks because that's how good Trevor Lawrence is. He is legitimately that good. I have said it. You have said it. Andrew Mason has said it. He is a generational quarterback. There are four that I can think of who Trevor Lawrence is – He he's one of the four. John Elway, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. Trevor Lawrence – is a generational quarterback. There is no ifs, ands, and buts about it if he is going to be a star in the National Football League. There is none. So 10 first-round picks? For the most part, it's going to be a late first-round pick anyway because he's that good. So it's basically a second-round pick. So who cares? And you get your quarterback. Now, let's throw cold water on all of this. It's never going to happen because Jacksonville isn't that dumb.
0: Well, Duval could possibly be that dumb, but I I think I get your point. I get your meaning. So then that begs the question and sort of leads us into another conversation. What is the number? right? So if you if you put it on the scale, right? I describe it to you as a scale. It's one of those fancy scales with the chains and, and the two platforms. And you know what I'm talking about. You put Trevor Lawrence on the scale and it immediately locks down to the ground. You know that that thing's not moving and you start stacking stuff onto the other side. How much does it take before you get that uh, Captain America just barely lifting uh, you know, Mjolnir in uh, Age of Ultron off the desk, sort of rise off the scale. And then how much more does it take to actually tip that scale? So in other words, how much does it take to get Jacksonville to go, well, no, versus how much it would take for Jacksonville to go, yeah, okay. Because that, that would be an interesting question. And again, cold water, never going to happen. But I'm just curious, like, As you're stacking up all the pieces that it would take to get a team to consider not drafting Trevor Lawrence, how much is it? Like, what is the weight there?
1: I think the starting point is Andrew Mason's hypothetical. I think it's four first-round picks and four second-round picks. That should get anybody to be like, hmm, at least to do that, to at least have the conversation. But at this point... You have a team in Jacksonville, and I, I think it was—I um, can't remember what his name is. He used to be with NFL Network. Now he's with Sports Illustrated. He—he he tweet. He's from Boston. I cannot Albert, remember Albert
0: Breer is who you're yes, thinking. Albert of.
1: Breer. Thank you. You're welcome. He—he he actually laid out why it's so perfect for Jacksonville that the Jets beat the Rams because they have the second most cap space they have a lot of draft capital on top of having the number one pick so yeah and they have a, and Andrew Mason added they have a billionaire who's willing to pay money to get people I mean he's shown that with what they did a couple of years ago to, to get into a, a a place to compete with the Patriots for that for in the AFC championship game. So he has shown that he'll throw money to to the benefit of his team. That's why it'll never happen. But I think if you're John Elway and you wanted to at least – and they have a, an, an opening for their general manager position. So you come in as a general manager, hey, here's the first-round pick, and you get to pick a generational quarterback.
0: Can I give you another reason why they won't do it? Shad Khan, who is the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, is, is British uh, and is – is the main owner in uh, who is always searching for a way to get his team to play in London and is one of those guys. I guess he's an American Brit that's kind of I don't want to get too far into the weeds of his uh, his background but he uh, he is one of the owners and I think he's the main owner who wants to move his team to London to expand and the NFL into an international market and doing that, requires star power you need someone who's going to show up in London and own the place and while Trevor Lawrence is a southern kid and might not necessarily fit into the scene in London the people in London who would become Jaguars fans would buy his jersey by the truckload and would would glob onto that team. They already do like football in, in England. We know this from our uh you know, our dealings with Broncos, Europe, and we've I mean we've had, you know, conversations with them and, and so we know there's a market there. Trevor Lawrence on that team marketing him internationally with fans that are are craving that. I, I it's I, I'm sorry, dude. You're you're just you're pushing a rock up a hill. And it's never going to end. And so this was a fun exercise in futility.
1: And it's also a painful reminder that the Broncos are stuck in purgatory where they're not bad enough to suck right and they're not good enough to be good right because they can't make it to the playoffs and they're not sucky enough to get a pick that can be a, a an, an organization-altering pick they're stuck in the 8 to 13 category which is purgatory.
0: Yeah, and and you know it's interesting you mention that because if you think about when was the last time the Denver Broncos picked a player that changed the face of the franchise? It's Von Miller. Von Miller is the last pick the Denver Broncos made and I it, it, unless somebody wants to correct me on that who actually contributed and I know obviously Peyton Manning comes in and you know, I get it, right? You can do that whole conversation. But Von Miller is the last guy that they drafted that legitimately became the face of the franchise. I don't see as – I love Bradley Chubb. I'm pro bowler. Good for him. That's amazing. Justin Simmons is an amazing kid. Pro bowler. I, I love those guys. They're, they're going to be uh, Broncos for a long time. Hopefully, they're not they're, they're not Von Miller, right? They're not that type of player. And that is what you – you have to be in that first or second pick position to get that guy to have the opportunity to get that guy. And 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 you said it, the Broncos can't, they, they cannot be bad properly. They are bad in the worst way possible, and it's just on the cusp of being a little okay, which is just as bad. Like, they're just stuck in this purgatory. You, you make a, a, a perfect point,
1: and it's so frustrating, and it drives me crazy. What makes it even more frustrating? Oh, good. Pile it on. Is you have the Kansas City Chiefs, we have Patrick Mahomes. And now you have the Los Angeles Chargers who have Justin Herbert, who the Broncos and Elway really, really, really liked. And had he not stayed at Oregon, Elway probably would have found a way to get him. But he stayed in Oregon an extra year to basically piss off all the of Broncos country because now you have two quarterbacks and the Broncos are still – trying to find one. All
0: right. Yes. So let's, so let's talk about that before we get into our Justin Herbert conversation. Cause you know where I'm going to go with that and, and it's fine. We'll talk about it before we get into that. The other thing that we sort of brought up and that I, I actually brought it up last week uh, after the game, uh, but I didn't mention it on the show. I sort of popped into my head after we got done recording is this idea or this notion that uh, nobody in Broncos country is wrong right now. And, and I am talking about Drew Locke. I know it's the thing that everybody talks about because that's where we are. This is the world we live in. It's purgatory. We're stuck in it. Just get used to it for a while. The, the idea here that I am that I am positing, that I'm floating out there, is that with all of the evaluation that's going on, with every single ounce of conversation that comes out of this, I have yet to come to the conclusion that anybody is incorrect in their evaluation of Drew Locke. And what I mean by that, because I know that sounds totally confusing, is that Drew Locke has had these moments that make every single one of us go, yeah, kid can play. I would even argue that in the first half against the Bills, a game that was uh, an example of ineptitude in the second half when it comes to the way the offense played. And yes, I have come around to that. I did miss the game. I went back and watched uh, the second half. It was, uh, it was, it was nasty. Uh, But that first half, there were moments where he looked good, where he looked like an NFL caliber quarterback. We have seen that from him from time to time. So if you're in on Drew Locke and you believe he's going to progress and you believe he's on that Josh Allen trajectory, which I have put myself in that position at times and said, that's where he is, then you're right. That's great. Or you might be the flip side. He has done more sucking than being good, has proved that he can't get any better. He's never going to become a starter in the NFL and the Broncos need to jump ship. You might be on in that boat of which I have also been, uh, you know, rowing a little bit as well. I have, I'm, you know, I'm rowing in different directions every now and then it's fine. I go in circles. It's cool. I, again, in my contract, I'm allowed to do that as my, as a fan, but I, I honestly believe at this point, whatever your opinion is of Drew Locke, you're probably right. Or more accurately, you're probably just not wrong yet. You will be wrong. One of, someone's going to be wrong here, but you're not wrong
1: yet. And I think this is where what you have said, either way it doesn't matter because 2021 he's going to be the quarterback.
0: Yeah, sorry.
1: I hate to be the bearer of good news or bad news, your choice. I mean, there are some scenarios where it they might be able to get a veteran and one of those is now gone because of Adam Gase. So Adam Gase found a way to screw over the Broncos again because them beating – the Rams not only screwed the Jets of getting a generational quarterback, it screwed the Broncos from potentially getting Sam Darnold, which is a guy who is thrown out all the time by various media members. Whether or not they go after a veteran now, whether it's Matt Stafford, if they can make a trade work, and it, it, it all depends on what Detroit asks in return for Matt Stafford and if they even want to get rid of Matt Stafford. I think there's legitimate talk. I'm one of them that think if Matt Stafford is in Denver with this offense, they've won more games and they're they're in contention for a playoff spot. In terms of anyone else, I I mean, it 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 just you have no idea because you don't know if they're going to be available. You have no idea if the teams will be open to it. And as I I don't know about free agents yet. We still got two games left but as we sit right here on the Tuesday before the week 16 game against the Chargers Drew Locke is going to be the quarterback in 2021
0: that's the truth i mean it, it actually is the truth for right now uh, i i think your point about Matthew Stafford is an interesting one and one thing that i would i would urge uh people who are following this to do is to is to just kind of breathe a little bit. You're right and and you said it really well. There's really nothing that anybody can do at all. And this idea that well the Broncos just need to do this, right? We we say this all the time. Well they just need to do this. Well, yeah, but it takes two to tango. You have to have a willing partner and sometimes you have to have a few willing partners. Sometimes you have to have uh you know, you have to have your dance partner, but you also also have to have somebody who allows you to use the dance floor. And so this idea of we'll just go get Matt Stafford, like you said, it would take a trade. It would take it would take some maneuvering of pieces, and who knows what they would ask for. I, you know, I'm not sure. And we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. Uh, there's an, a notion out there that it might take multiple first round picks. I doubt that. I, I think with the the way that his contract is, and maybe the fact that the Lions are interested in starting to move forward, uh, Matthew Stafford is, I think, 32. I believe we looked that up on the last show. Uh, and he's you know he's he's aging out, as it were, uh, it is sort of the idea of another sort of Peyton Manning retread, right? This is something that in Broncos country, we kind of, ne- we saw it work once, right? We got Peyton Manning and it worked. Peyton Manning is uh, one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, without question. So of course it worked with Peyton Manning, but you can't say that it's gonna work with anybody else. It didn't work with Joe Flacco. It didn't work with Case Keenum. Those are veteran quarterbacks that got brought in there are no guarantees at this point and there are no guarantees that anybody even wants to come to denver uh, you know i know there's lots of young talent there's a, a solid defense if i'm a quarterback i look at that and think yeah i think i could turn that into a playoff contender but then i look at the ownership situation and i look at what's going on with that and i think to myself eh, i don't know if i want to deal with that mess because that is going to get messy soon and and when it does get messy who knows what's going to happen with that franchise, and do you really want to be stuck with the Denver Broncos if you're a veteran quarterback like Matt Stafford when you don't really know what's going on and what the what the uncertainty is around the franchise? So so many variables, so many things going on, and you said it so well. Drew Locke is the starter for 2021 as of right now, and I guess get
1: back on the train? In terms of the ownership, it brings back the whole purgatory thing. We're just, just stuck
0: I'm just going in circles it's 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 just circular it's a circle it's round it's around maybe it's a ball but we're all stuck inside it's like a little prison that we cannot get out of and uh you know you either saddle up and ride or you you know take a seat on the couch and don't worry about it yeah I guess that's those are your options right
1: there's an analogy that I used in my PlayColorado.com story in my preview of the Broncos at the Chargers where I said You can either take a a Tigger approach to the the current iteration of the Broncos, notwithstanding the fact that they lost for the fourth – they have the fourth straight losing record, the fourth straight season with a losing record. I think that's better English. You got there. And the fifth straight year with no playoffs. Taking that aside, looking at 2021, you can have sort of a – you can have a Tigger approach to it where you can be – you can bounce around on your tail and be happy that they could potentially get Von Miller back and Mike Purcell and Jarrell Casey, A.J. Boye, Bryce Callahan, Cortland Sutton, Albert Agueg-Bunam. Get those guys back offensively and defensively. You have pieces there. You can start to build it. And despite what happened against the Bills in that 48-19 flogging at the hands of Josh Allen, and it, it was a flogging. It was a good word. I like it. It's they still had improvement from the Miami game through Sunday against the Bills, taking this and, and throwing out the Saints game because they didn't count. have any eligible quarterbacks. And so that's where you could get kind of a, a you could have a Tigger feel to it. Where the Eeyore comes in is they don't have a quarterback, there is not any more clarity. And you're in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert.
0: Okay. Now we can talk about Justin Herbert. That's fine. All right. So the the Broncos do play the Los Angeles chargers and we do have to discuss uh, that particular game. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to attempt to throw lukewarm water on the Justin Herbert conversation, just because I'm kind of tired of it. Uh, Justin Herbert is a good, a good quarterback, but I'm just not ready to hand him his crown. And and maybe that's just me being a bitter uh, fan and I'm fine with that. You want to call me a bitter fan who doesn't want to
1: yes, give you are <laughs> a bitter fan because if he was in Denver, you would have already annoyed yes. him. You'd be like,
0: yes, because if he we was have in a Denver, quarterback, he would be the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL if he was in Denver, but he's not, I, you know, I get, I guess my, my concern is this, and this is something that I think we have to remember. He's a rookie. Rookies have good seasons and then disappear. We've seen it before. I, I bring up Robert Griffin the third here, uh, as an example of a rookie who was incredibly good his first year in the NFL and then sort of fell off. Uh you could you could even go so far as to say that Lamar Jackson isn't as good this year as he was last year. Uh you know, so his twenty twenty was the
1: same with Baker Mayfield. Sure,
0: of course you could. Uh and then and then look at what Baker Mayfield has done since then, right? I mean we we know we know that this is, is it's it's always moving and the target is always moving and uh, players are good for a while and then they stop being good and then they, maybe they make a comeback and maybe they don't. And, you know, maybe you have a Ryan Tannehill type career where you're good, but you're never great. And then you go somewhere and, and you play really well. Like he fits in really well with Tennessee and what they're trying to do. And I guess having Derrick Henry helps, but I'm j- I'm just not there yet. I, I kid's a good quarterback. I'm not going to take that away from him. I'm going to sit here and tell you he sucks. He doesn't suck. He's good. He's got a ton of potential. And I think he's probably going to make the Chargers a good team for the foreseeable future. Because I am someone who believes that your team goes as your quarterback does. That being said, for all of his stats that everybody wants to throw out, the one stat that matters the most is still the one that goes in the wins column, and he doesn't have that yet. It doesn't mean that it won't translate. It just means that maybe we need to just... Just chill a little bit on that, right? Did I just throw out a QB wins argument? I'm not trying to do that,
1: but I know I am. Well, in terms of Sunday, he's going to be good because Josh Allen, to use a different word, torched the Broncos' defense. And now Justin Herbert has receivers who, as Keenan Allen has a tight end that the Broncos still can't cover, Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield. It took it took a miracle for the Broncos to beat the Chargers the first time around. It took mile-high magic. They're going to need some mile-high magic again on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I, and I don't see it happening. And, and it, A big part of why I don't see it happening, and, and I don't want to get into my prediction here, but the struggle that they're going to have is the fact that that defense is still completely wrecked. There's just no healthy cornerbacks that are, quite frankly, NFL starter caliber cornerbacks. I mean, you've got uh, Michael Ojemudie, who is, um, I think, on his way. He's he's a guy who I think you could say has shown that he can. He's going to eventually become a good player in the NFL. He's getting there. Uh, and, and then beyond that, I don't know what, what what else do you say besides you know besides having Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, you know, in the defensive backfield what is there? The cupboard is bare. And, and so uh, you do start to get into that, like, which is part of the reason you saw the, the torching, right? They were trampled by the bills, if you will, because of the, uh, the lack of having any real defense and the fact that the offense was just completely inept in the second half and didn't give that defense any time to, to rest and, and get themselves sort of back into the game. It was just constantly playing, which, isn't going to work and you're going to end up losing again. Although I, I can already hear people saying, well, losing isn't bad. Yeah, well, okay. But that's not why we're here. So I get it. Um, so it's, it's going to be a, a tough game. This is going to be one where if the Broncos are able to go into Los Angeles and steal a win, it will legitimately be a stolen win because they probably just don't have the talent on defense to really keep up with the talent that the Chargers have on offense.
1: And I think the only way that they have a chance – is if the defense pressures Justin Herbert. They have to get pressure on Justin Herbert because they cannot expect Michael Ogimudie and Devontae Bosby to cover Keenan Allen and those other receivers that the Chargers have. And the one thing that that will do is if you pressure Justin Herbert, just like if you pressure any quarterback, you rush him. And that'll allow guys like Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson and Will Parks and even Ojemudie and Devontae Bosby to make plays and potentially create turnovers. But that's the only way it's going to happen is if you pressure Justin Herbert. You cannot expect those guys to have coverage without pressure. So whether it's Bradley Chubb and Malik Reed and Jeremiah Tachu on the edges or if it's Shelby Harris and the guys in the middle or exotic blitz uh, packages that Vic Fangio designs that Herbert hasn't seen before, whether it's Will Parks and, and Kareem Jackson, that's what they have to do because if they allow Justin Herbert to stand in a clean pocket, he's going to pick that secondary apart. And the other thing, they have to stop the run. And that first game against the Chargers, they didn't do that at all. The Chargers had 210 yards rushing. In that first game, and that was without Austin Eckler, who is now back. So those are your keys to the
0: game, everybody. <laughs> just, just to kind of to get to it, th- those are our keys to the game. I think. I mean, I know that you know. I, I definitely think the defensive line has to be disruptive. I think the offensive line is going to be important. I mean, obviously, it's the same thing every week, right? We're sort of lather, rinse, repeat at this point. I, you know, I was actually just looking at um, what you wrote for your key to the game uh, because you do uh, the keys to the game for the article, and I just like to score touchdowns, I guess. I love it. <laughs> I, I guess. You score touchdowns. Yes, you do need to score touchdowns. I totally agree we are we're sort of in that when we start to get to this point in the season keys to the game it's always going to be sort of the similar like limit the turnovers you know get to the quarterback all all of those things are legitimate but in the end what i think most of us are thinking is where is the value in in winning obviously i want them to win and i i love what uh you know jess posted in in slack a uh, couple weeks ago uh celebrate the win uh, today, be, be frustrated about it tomorrow. Right. I'm, I always root for my Denver Broncos to win. I can't help it. I've tried to root against them. It doesn't work. So I don't even, I don't even get into it. I'm just like, well, I'll just be upset about this later. But, uh, I I think that it's, it is going to be important to get, like you said, you got to get Justin Herbert off his spot. You got to disrupt him. You got to mess up his timing. And and if you can do that, then you're probably going to, uh, have a chance at getting a win. I don't know that they get the win. Uh, again, we're sort of stuck in that mode, but they would have a chance at that point. Is there are there any players that you're watching? Let's let's start on defense because that's kind of where we're at. Is there a player to watch today for or in the game for you? Not necessarily today because today not the game.
1: I I'll say since we've touched on it throughout the show, the secondary and specifically cornerback because I I, I mean. What else are you gonna watch defensively? Because that's that's the key aspect of this game, is the cornerbacks. Are are they able to to do anything against Keenan Allen and those wideouts? Or what kind of improvement can they make? I mean, that that's what I'm looking at.
0: Yeah, that's that's fair. I think I'll just take the defensive line, I go with Shelby Harris, obviously. Uh, he's the leader on that defensive line, and if he can be uh, disruptive and he can make some plays, then again they'll have a chance. If not, then they won't, and that's that's pretty much where you're at at that point. Uh, offensively, players to watch on offense.
1: I think both of us will probably end up saying the same thing. Drew Locke, There's really no one else to watch offensively because that's the key. I'm is is he gonna? Is he make? Does he make any kind of steady progress? Not incremental progress steady progress to show that he can play quarterback in the national football league. And I get it. The big thing about him with some people and it's not some people, he does not play well against good defenses. And that's been the case this year. He's better against bad defenses, but what does he look like the last two games?
0: Not, not great. Not great. Sorry. You know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to say something a little bit. um, I'm going to, I'm going to go a little bit different direction here with this. I'm going to say that the player to watch on offense is a a defensive player. And that's Chris Harris, Jr. So, uh, you know, one of the things, one of the intriguing uh, aspects of this game, if you will uh, call it an intriguing aspect, is the return of Chris Harris, Jr. I say return. He's obviously not coming back to Denver because he's, they're playing in Los Angeles. But just the uh, a game where he actually is going to face off against his former team. And, and mostly I'm just interested in watching him because I'm curious if he can uh, have an impact on the game and sort of uh, make Drew Locke look silly because he's going to want to. He's going to want to uh, make big plays and, and sort of, you know he's going to want that pick six. You know he's going to be, be ball hawking. You know he's going to want to prove that the Broncos should never have let him go. Although uh, it's not that they necessarily let, I don't want to get into the whole contract thing. I don't worry about that. But that's the guy who I'm actually, I think I'm going to focus on when the Broncos are on offense, because I'll be curious to see if he's able to have a big impact on the game or if it's just, you know, it was nice to, nice to see you, Chris. We really appreciate all the things you did for Broncos country while you were here and, and enjoy your time in in Los Angeles. It it seems like it's warm
1: there. I will say What will be interesting is if Pat Shermer can take a mode from the guy he learned from, which I don't think he really learned from him because his offense hasn't been very good, is putting K.J. Hamler on Chris Harris Jr. Because we know what happens when Chris Harris Jr. faces a speedy little receiver. Yeah, touchdowns. Touchdowns
0: happen. Then the, the, the big question is, can, can Drew Locke find the speedy little receiver who is burning Chris Harris Jr.? You could put K.J. Hamler or Jerry Judy on on Chris Harris Jr. He's, they're, both of them are uh, very much faster than, than Chris Harris
1: Jr. at this point. I think Noah career. Fant is faster than Chris <laughs> Harris Jr.
0: Bigger, stronger. Is he the best-looking Bronco? Was in that thing for a while? Ugh, ridiculous. Sorry, was that a shot at somebody? It was. Um, You got a prediction. I have a prediction. I'll be curious to hear what yours is.
1: I'll say this. For all that we've said about the Broncos defense and Justin Herbert and those receivers, the Chargers are still a bad team. The Broncos are a bad team. So as I said in that PlayColorado.com story, previewing it, and in the story tweet, usually when you get two bad teams together, you get a good pillow fight. So I think we could be in for a good game. It just depends on if the Broncos pressure Justin Herbert and if the Broncos offense Andrew Luck shows up. I don't know. I think it's close. I think so I'll go with what? 31-27 Chargers.
0: Okay, so I wrote mine down and we're very close on that. I went 37-27 Chargers. I gave them an extra six points. Uh, I, I think you're right. I think this ends up being a fun game to watch. Uh, because that's what happens when two bad teams play each other. I mean, that we we talked about that when the Broncos played the Jets earlier this year. Two awful teams. This should be fun. And as I recall, I believe I, I nailed that score, uh, just to kind of remind everybody that I, I got one right this year. Just one, but I did get one. So it's like, hey, I got a hole-in-one. It's the only one I've ever got, but I've got one, so I'll take it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with 37-27. Chargers. And uh, I I think that that sort of signals sort of where the rest of the season is going as well. All right, let's do this quick break. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk about the uh, AFC West. We're going to talk about the rest of the league, and then we will wrap things up All right, let's take a look at the league here uh, and kind of see what's going on. Let's start with the AFC West like we always do. And uh, just a couple of games to talk about. Uh, the Chiefs play uh, the Falcons. That's in Kansas City. Um, I, I don't think there's anybody who is, is thinking that the Falcons are going to be able to beat the Chiefs in Kansas City in December. So yeah, don't worry about it. Um <laughs> I i'm looking you, up
1: the, I'm actually looking up the spread for that game because i'm curious what it is
0: see, i'd be curious like how bad well because the spread is you need a first half spread and a second half spread because in the first half the falcons will be up by 10 and then in the second half they'll lose by 40 so that's kind of uh that, at least that's the potential there they just, only 11 oh okay well i thought I don't, it'd be way higher than that i don't think that they they beat the spread on this one i'll just i'll just say that there uh, and then the other AFC West matchup is the Raiders uh, face the Dolphins. The Dolphins come to, uh, are going to Las Vegas. Uh, and the- they're going to
1: leave Las Vegas with a win.
0: Yeah, I think you could be right about that. So leaving Las Vegas will be a, a good thing for uh, the Dolphins. Uh, and, and-,
1: and we need to start calling it Las Vegas. L-O-S-S. L-O-S-S. Las Vegas. Isn't that what I said?
0: Las Vegas? I think that's how I say it. Las Vegas. Las Vegas? What, how else would you say that? It's an A, so it's an A ah sound. It's like just phonetically well, speaking.
1: I, I'm I'm just spelling it L O S S. Oh, I got
0: it. It's more about spelling than pronunciation. I'm with you on that. Okay. We can do that. I can do that forever if you want. Las because I,
1: I, I think I think that Dolphins defense is going to tear apart Derek Carr. I hope so.
0: Yeah, he's gonna have one of those emo moments where he cries on the sideline and his mascara runs. It's it's gonna happen at some point. Why is he wearing
1: one? Pete Wentz jeans?
0: Probably. You know, and if that's you know, if he enjoys that, that's fine. Whatever. Whatever makes you happy. Like you know, try not to judge people for the things that they like. But also, come on, man. This is ridiculous. So uh yeah, I think uh Chiefs win, Raiders lose, there's your AFC West aside from the Broncos and Chargers game, which we've already talked about. All right, so let's see what stands out here. Uh Christmas Day game, not super interesting. Uh against the Saints. Yeah, I mean Kind of an, I guess it's an interesting game because the Saints obviously are um, the Saints, right? They're trying to kind of hang on and and stay within reach of or within distance of the Packers. Is that a way to say that?
1: I think they're also trying to to hold off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who give it to the Falcons. They know how to lose to Tom Brady. God, it's like the thing they do the best.
0: Like if you do one thing, do it really well. And the thing that the Falcons do is lose to Tom Brady, and they're the best at it.
1: I mean, what, to come back again like Tom Brady did. So now the Saints have to hold off Tom Brady and the Buccaneers for the NFC South. And I mean, they've the- already, they've lost the home field advantage. They're not going to get it back from the Packers. No. I, I just I don't see that happening. No,
0: I agree with that. You know, it's interesting though, and the other thing that they're dealing with, and I, I think this is so crazy. Drew Brees broke 11 ribs and had a punctured lung, 11 ribs and a punctured lung. And he's back that I would he played like it, and, and, but he, but he did. He played like he broke 11 ribs and had a punctured lung. But I I'm going to just say, if I broke 11 ribs and had a punctured lung, you guys would be at my funeral right now. I might not even be dead, but I would just be like, that's it. Just bury me. This over. Just because I just wouldn't want to continue. I, I'm going to give him some credit there. That is an impressive uh, comeback. Maybe it's not very smart. Like you should probably heal, but you do you, Drew. Whatever. I mean, if you don't feel like you need to have ribs and be able to breathe, it's good. Good on you. Great. Good for you. Insane. That's just insane to me. I,
1: I'm I'm just blown away that Sean Payton thought that uh, and a uh, Drew Brees coming back from 11 broken ribs and a punctured lung gave him a better chance to win than the great and almighty Taysom Hill.
0: Yeah. Taysom Hill is amazing. You guys, he's the great, I still don't, I still don't see it. I don't get it. I got sort of blowed up for that. Uh, I, I may, I tweeted it out. And then of course, Taysom Hill scored a touchdown after I tweeted that out a few weeks back, but I, I still don't get it. I, I and, and I think the Broncos exposed Taysom Hill for being not good because he was not good against the Broncos when the Broncos didn't have a quarterback on the other side of the field. So yeah, I'm not a big fan of Taysom Hill. That just – I don't get it. I don't get it. That's fine. He's a nice little gadget player, I guess, whatever. All right, any other games? What are we looking at here?
1: I'm looking at – there's two games that I think have the potential to be defining games for the remainder of the season. The Colts at the Steelers, and that's for multiple reasons, and then the Titans at the Packers. And I don't think I – I do not think Tennessee goes into Lambeau and beats the Packers, especially with how the Packers just played – in the second half, especially against the Carolina Panthers, I think Aaron Rodgers and and the Packers are the class of the NFC. So I think they're. I, I think a lot of it will depend upon what they do with Derrick Henry. How because I don't think anyone can slow him down. But I don't think it will. I, I it has the potential to be an offensive shootout. I will say that.
0: Yeah, but that could be the fun. Game. And the
1: Steelers. Pittsburgh has completely. Fallen off the rails, like they were undefeated. There's talk of they're going to be the 1972 Dolphins, and now they're turning into the 2010 Broncos, where Josh McDaniels started six and zero, and then it's like they lost every game since then. Oh, what did they do terrible. against? What did they do against? I think a very good and underappreciated Colts team. I think the Colts are going to beat the Steelers, and that would allow Cleveland to, I think, take the lead in the AFC North.
0: Yeah, I I think it does, actually, and you're you're absolutely right. You know what's interesting about that game and and what you mentioned about the Colts is it's their defense that makes them so good. They have a competent offense, right? Their offense is good. They've got Phillip Rivers, who uh, is, is actually playing well enough for them to score enough points to win. But that defense does things that that really do keep them in games, and I'm not going to compare them to any other defenses because I don't think that that's fair. But if you watch that defense play football, they they are very good at what they do. They they make big plays at big points in the game, and they that is a team that could go into Pittsburgh and and actually really put a hurt on them. And if you watched the way Ben Roethlisberger played in in the last game on that mon- in that Monday night game uh, he looked broken he looked he looked like he didn't work anymore right when they played the Bengals on Monday night he looked like he wasn't able to function as a quarterback. there was no zip on his throw his arm was weak he was he what wa- he, he can't move anyway I I think that what you are seeing is Father Time winning again. We watch Father time win all the time. And for for this for this season, it looked like Ben Roethlisberger was losing to Father Time when they played the Bengals. And I don't think this is a case of them looking ahead because they had lost before the, the two games before, and so now they're they're scrambling at this point. And and I think that they you you bring up a really good point there. They're playing a very good Colts team that is fighting for the AFC South, and now they're fighting for their lives in the AFC North. This is going to be a fun game, but I think the Colts end up out on top because of that defense, because of how good that defense is.
1: And I think the other game to keep an eye on is the Rams and the Seahawks. Since the Rams lost to the Jets, that puts the Seahawks in control of the NFC West. So how do the Rams respond to that loss to the Jets, which, eesh.
0: I'm going to bring up one more just for fun. The Bills play the Patriots on Monday night football. Would there be any other sort of like exclamation point kind of enjoyment than for the Bills to go in to Gillette Stadium in New England and beat down the Patriots, Bill Belichick and the Patriots, because now because now they're clearly AFC East champions. And just to go put like a little exclamation point on the season, they go they go into New England and just laugh the taste out of Bill Belichick's mouth uh, to kind of put a put a little little pin in this season for him.
1: You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at MilehighReport.com. And as always, go Broncos.